Hello, hello, and welcome to Cars and Memoirs, where the best memories are made with cars. My name is Michael, and I've been into cars my entire life. So thank you so much for joining on the first episode of the first season of Cars and Memoirs. Essentially, the first episode ever of Cars and Memoirs. While I'm very excited to make this podcast happen, I would like to thank Maria, my fiance for egging me on to basically try this because at first I was a little unsure about how my voice would sound, about if I could actually make a podcast all by myself, but she was very supportive and she's actually making a podcast right now too called Growing and Glowing about wokeness and issues that we currently face in the United States and in the world, so definitely worth checking out it's called growing and glowing and it's available on all podcast platforms but before we talk about the story of the day of that time that mercedes made an american car and you're thinking mercedes making an american car michael mercedes makes millions of cars in america i know i know listener but no before then mercedes actually made a car that resembled many American cars that was basically perfection for its time. But before we get on to that, um, I would just like to introduce myself very quickly. My name is Michael and I've been into cars for my entire life. And ever since I was a little kid, I always knew which cars and makes and models I saw on the street. I knew about new car releases, I knew how much power they were making, what engines they had, whether they drove well or not, (laughs) just by reading magazines and watching Top Gear and things like that. But now when I'm older, I'm very privileged to actually be able to own, buy, and sell cars, which is really nice. I am in my early 20s and I just graduated college recently, double majored. And now as I work an office job in my field, I definitely thought that giving a car podcast a try would definitely be a cool idea. And so far, so good. I definitely like like talking a lot and I like sharing stories with people. It's just that most of the people that I know don't really like cars, so it's a little difficult for me, but... Hopefully you like cars as much as I do and you're willing to put up with me for a little bit because the reward will be great. Especially to find out that Mercedes made a car that, that pretty much looked and felt like an American car is crazy because whenever you think of German automakers, you think of quality and speed and precision. And when you think of older American cars, you often think of them as being big and comfortable and pretty inefficient. But the car that I found pretty much has all of those features. (laughs) And the answer will definitely surprise you. But you're probably sitting there thinking, Michael, the answer to the question, what car did Mercedes make that seems like an American car is easy? It's the Mercedes SLS AMG. Basically, it's a German car that's a take on an American muscle car because it has a 6.2 liter V8 engine that's very big, 
it has a loud exhaust and it likes to drift and do burnouts. While this is true, it's not necessarily the first by long shot because the SLS AMG was inherently based on the 300 SL from the mid-1950s, which did not really resemble most American cars back in the day, and neither does the SLS today. If you look at muscle cars then and now, the Mustangs, the Camaros, the Challengers, besides the similarities of the big engine, great sound, burnouts, drifting, going fast in a straight line, the muscle cars are actual muscle cars, whereas the SLS is a supercar. It's extremely fast, handles great, has unique features, is luxurious, it has going doors, it has a mid-engine layout, plus it's a lot of money. Way more than any other muscle car because most muscle cars cost slightly more than a fully optional Prius. But the SLS AMG is at least a hundred grand all day long. Hopefully one day I can afford one. But if you can, then you should definitely buy it. The SLS AMG might resemble an American car in some respects, but it's not actually like it. One could also argue that the Mercedes that I'm talking about that truly resembles an American car from back in the day could be its S-Class from the 1960s. But that Mercedes, it has styling that was very rounded off, the interior seemed very classy, and the engines were V8s but they were kind of small, which doesn't really sound like an American car. Not to say that they were not nice cars, especially the coupes back in the day. They are truly amazing products of their time, and their high prices of even 100 grand do reflect that. But, in order to actually find out what Mercedes did, <laughs> we should go back to the 1970s. Let me explain. In the early 1970s, Mercedes updated their two best-known models, the S-Class and the SL-Class. With the S-Class being a big four-door sedan and the SL being a small convertible in the lineup. And that way, Mercedes made an American car look-alike <laughs> by accident. Now, Mercedes didn't have a smaller sedan and a smaller coupe that would be known as the E-Class decades later. But for now, they didn't really have an ultra-expensive, big, personal luxury coupe like they did a few years before with the older S-Class. And Mercedes soon realized in the early 70s that they needed their customers, especially those in North America, who liked to purchase many personal luxury coupes like the Cadillac Eldorado, the Cadillac Coupe de Ville, and the Lincoln Continental. And instead of engineering a big coupe on an existing big car platform, one could say, you know, the S-Class, which they already had, and they could just take two doors off it, change the styling a little bit, and make an amazing, big, comfortable, four-seater coupe, Mercedes decided to do something different. I'm sure it involved two engineers talking and it went something like this. 
engineer one said, hey, we need a personal luxury coupe for rich customers from all over the world that will sell very well. Something that will be big and comfortable, but also something that will look nice and go fast and have superb quality and presence. Whereas engineer number two was probably just like, nine. We cannot spend a lot of money, but I think I have a solution and it will definitely work and no one will notice our shortcomings in it, but people noticed and it wasn't all that pretty because Mercedes-Benz decided to convert its SL into a stretched fixed roof coupe. Now, I have nothing against the SL convertible. It's a handsome little car and it can be quick and I was looking to actually buy one for myself, but they are a bit expensive. But either way, stretching the body of an SL by a few inches, adding a fixed roof and rear seats, and naming it the SLC class was a very mediocre attempt, at best, at building a personal luxury coupe to beat Americans at their own game with having huge gas-guzzling V8 supercars. Well, when I say supercars, I mean just gargantuan cars. And granted, the SLC was so mediocre that in fact Ford was able to compare it to the Granada that Ford was making at the time on TV commercials. And you could say the SLC was like an American car because Ford could compare it to the 1970s Granada, but that's a very low bar because I'm sure you don't even remember the 1970s Ford Granada. That's how bad it was. Now, I'm sure that the SLC is still a fine car, but in my humble opinion, you were much better going off for an SL. In an SL, you could just add a hardtop and a rear bench seat if you wanted a four-seater coupe, or you could just remove all that if you wanted a convertible. Instead of being committed to just one not so good coupe that looked weird with its stretched proportions, you could have a mixture of both, so why not get the SL in the first place and opt in to get the SLC. The SLC also didn't have that big of an engine, it had a 4.5 liter V8 that didn't really make a lot of power, so in that regards it wasn't like an American car at all because American cars used to have five, six, seven liter engines at the time, so the SLC kind of fell short on that either. The SLC in general is not a very good nameplate for Mercedes because even the newer SLC has failed, but that's a different story for another day. Now, Mercedes soon realized their mistake and they began developing a full-sized personal luxury coupe alongside its new S-Class for the 1980 model year. Anticipation was very high, and after a year since the S-Class sedan was released, Mercedes unveiled a big luxurious coupe that was actually a look-alike of an American car, and it was called the SEC. People were shocked and the car looked beautiful. People all over Europe, all over Asia, all over Africa, all over the United States loved the S-Class of the 1980s. It was called the W126 S-Class and a lot of rich and important people back in the day drove them. 
and the SEC was just a coupe version of that sedan, and it was just beautiful looking. It, the design of the car was sleek, and it was boxy, and it had slight curves here and there, but mostly it was hard lines, and it really resembled the American big personal luxury coupes of the 1960s, especially the 1963 Buick Riviera, which was one of the pioneers of the trend, making the Mercedes SEC a very close look-alike of an American car with a Mercedes badge, pretty much. Inside, the dash was very long, very wide, and so was the certain console, and that really resembled the 1963 Riviera and other American personal luxury coupes as well. Because with the controls that the car had and the new features at the time, it just oozed luxury. And the seats were so comfortable and you could either get them in nice leather or nice velour. It was just a very cool car at the time and it really looked like American cars of the 1960s, the 1970s, and the 1980s that were American and that were built in America. Under the hood, it was no different. The SEC came with many V8s. First, it was a 3.8 liter and a 5.0 liter in Europe, and then in the 1986 model year, it changed over to a 4.2 liter for Europe, but the United States got the 5.6 liter V8 to better be able to compete with the American cars in the United States. And that was pretty much the largest engine that Mercedes used for its passenger cars at the time. The 1963 Buick Riviera also came with a big V8. And overall, the two cars looked fairly similar to each other. Because in the 1989 movie Roadhouse, Patrick Swayze drove a 1987 Mercedes-Benz 560 SEC and a 1963 Buick Riviera. Coincidence? I think not. Someone definitely saw that as well, long before me, that Mercedes was actually building an American car at the time, and with its styling and gas guzzling and comfortableness and inefficiency, it was just the perfect blend of both German and American cars. But, speaking of Patrick Swayze driving both of those cars, the Mercedes SEC drives and handles pretty much like a land yacht, another attribute of American cars, <laughs> where the V8 makes some noise and you waft along as you sit in big comfy seats and use the abundance of features in almost every turn of the giant steering wheel, I mean giant steering wheel. The car wallows from side to side, and the ex experience just reminds you of going straight, of, of just wanting to go straight whenever you want, basically, <laughs> and whenever you can, just like in an, an American car. It's, it's pretty brisk, but only when you go straight. <laughs> it's especially an American car in its presence, as the SEC is both stylish and over the top, but at the same time it's also simple and conservative. It features a hardtop where there is no B-pillar between the windows and once all the windows are down, there's a grand space that is created between the A and the C pillars. This pillarless style was a throwback to the 1960s American coupes with hardtops 
and it was featured pretty much in cars ranging from the Mustang all the way to a Cadillac Eldorado or Lincoln Continental. So that was very popular at the time, and in my opinion, that that just by itself really exemplifies that Mercedes was trying to go for that American look of style and opulence, but without the actual need. Because why would you need, you know, a hard top? You could just have a B pillar there and and be fine. But Mercedes just wanted that style and that presence, and I think it really paid off. And today. This pillarless look is only offered on hardtop models from Mercedes, such as the S-Class and E-Class Coupe, Bentley with the Continental, and a few other manufacturers, but I wish more car companies would actually bring it back, probably because of the safety and the high cost to make a car like that safe. It's very difficult, but it's definitely a great feature to have, and I'm really happy that this Mercedes has it. But... This Mercedes, the 126 chassis SEC Coupe, was made from 1981 to 1991, 10 full years. And then in those 10 full years, they've sold tens of thousands. I think it was around 70,000 or so coupes that were sold, which is not a high number, but considering the price that these cars brought, they were very expensive and that were very worth it because unlike American cars they were engineered as well as a car could be in in those days and now while American cars have gotten much 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 better with with things from Cadillac and especially Lincoln Mercedes back then was just unbelievable and driving a car like that today really makes it feel like it's a brand new car because of the insulation, the comfort, the speed, it's it, it, like it's pretty amazing and I love it so much. But back to the car, I would say that the 126 is the only car that Mercedes built that really resembled an American car just because the 140 S-Class Coupe that came right after the SEC, it was very bloated, the design just didn't look right. And it basically used wheels that were so small that they could be fit on your office chair. It really wasn't the same and it also had very high tech, which was not needed. But the Mercedes C126 560 SEC especially was a car at the right time that encapsulated an era of being flashy but reserved and being comfortable, fast and most importantly being German and American at the same time. Mercedes probably didn't think of that at the time, but they accidentally built a car that suited Americans very well just because that's the cars that Americans were used to and that's the cars that Americans were building. Big coupes that were very comfortable, that, that didn't handle as well as you would think they would, but that had massive V8s, had very low MPGs, even though Mercedes had a 14 MPG city at the time and touted it as being fuel efficient. No. <laughs> I, I rarely get around 10 miles per gallon on a good day, so just very inefficient. But that was the style back then. And as I mentioned before, it was, it was very impressive, it was very popular, and the thing is that back then it was truly expensive. I mean, 
there are also American cars that were very expensive as well. You know, um, especially the Cadillac Alante comes to mind in the 80s and early 90s was super expensive. But now these 560 SEC and all the other engine SEC coupes can be had for much cheaper. And the prices are slowly rising back on them again. And it's a great car. I'm very happy and privileged to own one. As it's basically one of the best engineered cars ever that combines both German and American features into one single car. And honestly, maybe even Japanese features just because the car is so reliable. And it's actually been very surprising how reliable it is. And I just love it so much. I've had it for, for almost a year now and just driving it is very amazing. Mine is a 1989 model painted in nice garnet red, which is a very rare color. And I can't wait to, to just do more, do more preventive maintenance on the car and to keep it running and driving for as long as I can. It's essentially one, one of the best cars to come out of the 1980s if you don't think about the Countach and the Testarossa or the Elante because in 1993 those were nice too with the North Star but overall I really like the Mercedes SEC Coupes and I never even thought that the Mercedes SEC was an American car per se well a, a German car that looked and resembled an American car but my mechanic has a 1976 Lincoln Continental and those two cars standing side by side obviously the designs are different but when you go deep down to the roots such as the V8 the the leather interior the big size and the pillarless windows those cars look very similar and it's an uncanny resemblance but either way, I highly recommend a Mercedes SEC. And if you'd like to hear my story of how I came to buy my personal 560 SEC, please let me know. It involves a CEO, well, a former CEO of a paper company who was very into Hugo Boss apparel and who I had to shrewdly negotiate with in order to actually get the car. But it was very interesting and, you know, thank you so much for listening to my very first attempt at a car podcast with Cars and Memoirs. You can contact me at carsandmemoirs at gmail.com. That's carsandmemoirs, all together, at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at cars underscore and underscore memoirs where you can see my Mercedes 560 SEC and other cars that I take pictures of. Until next time, I am Michael, and I hope you like this podcast. Take care.